Hi, welcome back. Welcome to episode six of the Anathana Run podcast. This week, I caught up with one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, Abby Land, better known as Back at Square Zero. Abby is a runner in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina, and we talked about everything from coming back from an injury, recovery, perseverance, determination, the comparison trap on Instagram, and so much more. This is one of my favorite conversations, and I can't wait to jump in. But before I do so, I wanted to announce the winner of my Trail Sisters t-shirt giveaway. American Runner Girl, that's you. I'll be reaching out to you directly to get you your Trail Sister swag, and thank you for everyone who left me a rating and review. It makes such a huge difference. All right, here's my conversation with Abby, and I'll see you guys next week. Wow. I know. I know. It's crazy. And it, it's it's just happened so fast. I feel like it always happens like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so – so I got injured four weeks ago. Um, I, I posted about it, but I, I like, yeah. took a fall outside of my apartment on icy steps. And I was pretty much, like, bedridden or in the apartment most of the time for – three, two and a half, three weeks. And by the time I started going outside, I was so freaked out because it was like a new season. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> and, you guys sp- skipped spring and went yeah, from like winter to summer. Exactly. So I was like, how long have I been out? When I, last time I was outside, I was in my winter coat. I was slipping on ice and now it's like 72 degrees. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm all fed up here. So I'll just kick it off. Um, I would love it if you just told everyone your name, where you're from, where you live, and what do you do? Okay. So my name is Abby, and I am an elementary school teacher by day. And then at nighttime, I train for half and full marathons, and I am also a run coach myself. I've been coaching runners for coming up on two years now. And I just really love and enjoy that and getting to work with others. It combines my love of teaching and my love of coaching together. So mm-hmm. works really well. That's awesome. I So I've been running a few years and being in like the Instagram community, you see everyone um, talking so fondly about their experience with running coaches. And I think mm-hmm. once I get my feet on the ground again, I'm definitely going to look into it. And, um, I guess what would you, did you train with a coach before you decided to be a coach or? Yes. I have had a coach for dear heavens. Um, I want to say probably four or five years now. Oh, that's amazing. So you, do you use your, uh, rely on your coach for every big race you train for? Yes. So I had a coach for probably about two or three years before I decided to start going into coaching myself. Um, And I had just felt like it had been so beneficial to have someone really laying the workouts out for me and telling me what to do and when. As um, runners, sometimes we can make decisions that aren't always the best for us. Mm-hmm. We either are just pushing ourselves too hard or um, sometimes not pushing ourselves hard enough. 
um, I would fall into as a, before I started coaching as a runner, I fell into the habit of running easy days all the time and never really challenging myself with any speed work or anything, mm-hmm. which is fine, but my goal was to improve and get faster. So I wasn't really doing that. Um, so I felt it was wonderful for me to get a coach cause I had set days to do easy runs and set days to do speed work and things like that. That really helped me to start to improve and, um, kind of see how I should be varying and switching up my workouts and not doing the same thing all the time. Um, and it also helped when they told me to take days off and to work on lighter days or things like that, just so I didn't keep pushing myself too hard all the time. For sure. And I think a big hurdle um, people have with committing to a coach is the investment. Yes. Um, and what would you what would you say to that? Because that's kind of, that's like the one thing I think about. I'm like, all right, well, it's a hundred some odd dollars extra. Mm-hmm. So like, but I could be doing the training myself. So, and I know there's there's a there is a bridge to that gap, but I would love to hear your your take on it. Well, and you can find run coaches who charge anything from you know, a hundred something dollars for, um, you know, a marathon cycle, um, half marathon cycle up to coaches who charge, um, you know, 500, 800, a thousand dollars for the same things. Yeah. So, um, if you look and you search around, it is possible to find a good coach who, um, does it more affordably because they want more people to be able to afford coaching. And, you know, you can find some coaches then for, that price where you can get your entire marathon training cycle for close to the same amount of money as you buy a pair of running shoes for. And I think it's good to look at it that way. Like, okay, I spend this much money on a pair of running shoes to, you know, help with my training to make me do better. You know, this is the same type of thing. I'm going to put in that same amount of money and I'm going to have someone who is laying out a personalized, individualized plan just to meet my needs, someone who's working with me, you know, and who's there for you when you need them, when you have questions, when you have concerns, you know, if you um, have a good coach and a good program going on, it shouldn't be like they just set up your plan for you and that's all you ever hear from them. Um, You really want to look for someone who's going to help you to stay motivated and to stay accountable by, you know, constantly being there as a a source for you. Definitely. Yeah. I I definitely have to think about it because I, I think that especially coming off of a injury, my eyes are, what's the expression? Like my, my eyes are bigger than my stomach, but kind of in terms of running. Um, so I know that coming off an injury, my body is going to be totally different. Um, and Mm -hmm as much as I would love to jump back in and do like the speed work or the tempo runs or the long runs, like maybe I need an expert telling me um, what to do, especially because I don't, my goals aren't changing. So, yeah, you know, it's just it, the timelines are so definitely. Well, yeah. Go ahead. And as like coming off an injury, lots of times with runners, we um, expect to, jump back in just the way we were. Um, I didn't come off injury so much as I'm just coming back 
um, working my way back from an illness. And, um, you know, it's hard, but you have to almost kind of think of yourself as that, that new runner again, if you take so much time off or you do have to, you know, ease yourself back in. And, um, you know, I kind of started with like a modified couch to 5k, um, building myself back up, which for someone who, runs half marathons and marathons doing, you know, 10 minute walk runs and things to build yourself back up can be very humbling. Yeah. Um, but you just have to, you know, kind of think about it's not where you were before. It's, you know, where you are now and being kind to your body as you get back into it. You know, you can't just jump right back in with a six mile, eight mile run, um, or we'll be doing more harm than good. Yeah. Yeah. You have, I definitely think, you have to be super forgiving and like kind to your body mm-hmm. during something like that. And also appreciative. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the day I can walk, run two or three miles. And mm-hmm. I would have never said that a month ago. I would have, I would have been running five or six miles and like complaining about having to go out and run. Um, so kind of leads me to my, one of my questions, your blog and your social media accounts are called back a square zero. And you know, especially what we're talking about now, being at the bottom, started, you know, starting from the bottom is a super mm-hmm. scary experience. And it's also really exciting um, and humbling and interesting. So I was would love to know the story that led you to, um, to square zero and kind of everything that's come after that. Um, so I actually started blogging and um, writing about um, five years ago now and thought that lots of people always talked about the beauty and the joy and all the amazing parts of running, but um, no one ever talked about um, how sometimes as runners we have to start over or we aren't always having those perfect runs or how we feel like we're right back to where we started. Um, so wanted to kind of talk about the side of running that is almost the most beautiful side, how you can go out and you can have, you know, a great 20-mile run um, one weekend, and then two days later it can be an easy four-mile run and you feel like you're going to die and you've never run before. Um, you feel like you're right back to the beginning. Like, how did that happen? I just ran 20 miles and I'm in a, the middle of a four-mile easy run and, I, and I'm dying. I don't think I can finish it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so really wanted to talk about those things. And um, right now I am myself starting over kind of back at square zero. I, for the last a little over two years now, almost two and a half, had um, been gradually getting sicker and sicker. I um, was just constantly exhausted, sleeping 12 to 16 hours a day anytime I wasn't at work. Um and, you know, gaining tons of weight very rapidly and then kind of catching every illness that came around. I um, had mono for like six months. Oh I've had shingles four times. I have had all sorts of wonderful, wonderful things going on. So it's been about trying to fight this battle to get myself healthy so that I can run and train and work out the way I want. So I am kind of finally starting to get healthier and working my way back from square zero. And I started out, you know, after a few years off, 
um, back to, you know, the just walking and then gradually adding in a little bit of running. And it has been quite the journey where I have to remember to really listen to my body and to be very gentle with myself and to not try to push it too hard. And, you know, remembering that what I could do a couple of years ago is not where I am at yet. And I uh, try to share that just so other people know that it's okay mm-hmm. to listen to your body and to not be perfect on every workout. I went out for a run on Tuesday and my body just said, nope, you are not ready for this yet. And so I walked instead. Yeah. And so I try to share and say things like that because I, I feel like unfortunately a lot of um, social media is very, very curated. Uh-huh. And it's, um, you know, these perfect, awesome pictures of these people running and all their amazing accomplishments and you just see the great part and they don't tell you about the, the horrible runs or the things that didn't go well. Um, and so it can lead some people, I feel like especially newer runners, um, to feel like they're doing something wrong if they're struggling because everyone else is making running look so amazing and so perfect with all these beautiful pictures and everything's wonderful. But I think it's just good for um, all of us as runners to kind of share and admit, you know, like today's run was hard and I struggled or, you know, I had to walk today instead or, you know, I was supposed to do, you know, six miles, but I had to listen to my body and I only did three, you know, just so everyone knows that, it is okay to have days like that because we have to listen to our body when we have good days and it says that we can push it and take advantage of that. And then when we're having rough days, we need to listen to that too. For sure. You had a great Instagram the other day or I think one of, one of the last few days where it was don't compare your real life to somebody else's highlight reel. Yes. Um, And that is just so true because we live, especially, you know, when, most of the people you follow are athletes or even now, like this weekend's especially funny because it's the Boston marathon. And mm-hmm. I'm just like scrolling through my feed and I'm like, wow, these people are amazing. They're amazing. Like mm-hmm. how that's amazing. Like, you know, like they're running like six mile shakeout runs at eight twenty pace. Like that's so crazy. Like, well, will I ever be able to run that? Could I ever run that? And then I think about it. I'm like, they chose, they're they so proud of that, and that's why they're highlighting that. And, you know, maybe one day you will run that, and maybe one day you won't. But it's kind of their, it's their shiny prize yeah. compared to, you know, you know, if I run an 11-minute mile tomorrow. So it's, I mean, it's a very tricky place that we weren't in a couple years ago with all the technology we have and you know like this as as much as I love like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and um all of it it is a place where a lot of what we do kind of is this self-gratifying machine so it is important to step back from it and be like not all my pictures have to be filtered not all my pictures have to be in this really great light and do I choose to be someone who's real and people enjoy following me and my story and when I fail and when I succeed or do I just want to be like a catalog yeah and I think like you said especially as runners like we see those times and things that other people post and you 
start subconsciously kind of instantly comparing in your head before you even have time to process. Like, they ran that how fast? What time would that be? Like, and you start thinking about it in your head. And I know I've personally really tried to think about running as I'm coming back as not like I have to run this speed or I have to run that speed, but more as like I get to run. I have the privilege of running. Like there were two years where I maybe got outside once a week if I was lucky. And so I just ran a half marathon and it was my slowest half ever. Um, and you know, some part of me probably would want to say like, Oh, this is my, you know, my slowest half and compare this and compare that. But instead I just focused on like, I haven't run in years and I got to run and this was, you know, it was a gorgeous day and it was a beautiful course and I was able to run and how many people out there are not. And for years I was one of those people who was not able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think it just, we really have to take a step back and kind of reframe how we look at things. Not as like, Oh, this person ran the same race as I did and they ran it, you know, four minutes a mile faster or, you know, even when I was running before, I'm two or three minutes a mile slower than I used to be. But the thing is, like, to be out there doing it and just to be able to be moving and to be able to run um, after, you know, time off is just such a wonderful feeling. So it's just trying to reframe it as instead of, like, you know, I have to run or I have to do this or I need to hit that speed is, like, I get to I yeah. get to run. I, I get to move. I, I get to be doing these things. And it doesn't matter how fast you are, or how far you go. It's just a, a blessing. Just lucky to be able to get out the door and move. I totally couldn't agree more. It, it, it really is. Um, it, it's an incredible thing. I, I have some friends who, who are in great shape, but they just can't just, you know, like health wise, they can't run. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, and, you know, I, I know right now I'm in a temporary phase where I'll jump, bounce back from it and I will be able to run. And it's, it's just like, it, it's exactly it. It's I'll get to run. I'll get to do this. And yeah. there's so many people that can't. And, you know, in this temporary window of my life, I'm one of those people and I completely just completely reframes how I look at the sport, how I look at the community and just all of it. It's it's like a privilege to be a part of. And honestly, this is something my mom always says, like nobody's a hero here. Like we're not winning this race and no matter what, you know, what time you run it in, it's a success and you want it for yourself because at the end of the day, like if you're not first in the New York marathon, then no one, no one's going to care either way. No one's going to care. Um, And it's a good thing that, you as a runner care and it's great to have goals and it's so important, but, um, you should never lose sleep over it. Like I ran the, I think we both ran the New York marathon this past year and I didn't, um, I didn't hit my time goal. And I remember I was walking from the finish line to where you exit into the street. And I just kept thinking like, man, if I like didn't stop at that point, or if I just like ran faster there and I was in this weird, unappreciative mood, and I was like, 
why am I, why am I doing, and then I just got upset with myself for feeling that way. I was like, how dare you? Like you just finished the New York marathon and you're thinking of like, I wish I shaved off three minutes here or two minutes there. Like, I don't even, I can't even, I don't even remember my time right now because I just made it such a goal to not fixate on it after that, like internal conversation I had with myself. And I feel, I feel badly that I took it was like 10 minutes from myself when I should have been celebrating to be like, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Yeah. I think it is good to set realistic goals to help push ourselves forward. Um, but I think that we need to understand the difference between, you know, um, hitting a goal and running your best. So sometimes you run the very best you can that day. And you don't hit whatever goal you had set however many months ago you set the goal when you started training because of a whole slew of factors. There are so many things that can affect whether or not you have that race and you hit your goal. It can be, you know, the weather, if it's too hot or too cold, it can be, you know, the course you're running on. If you had an exhausting week at work and haven't slept at all, you know, if you dealt with injuries and everything through your training. So I think it's really important to be working towards a goal, but then to give ourselves grace. If you ran the best you could that day, that's all you can do. Whether you hit the goal or didn't hit the goal, if you put in the best effort you were capable of on that day, that that's all that can happen. And that's a different effort on, you know, different days. Some days you just run better than others. And as runners, the more we run, we kind of start to see that, you know, some days you have those perfect runs and things and you're not really sure why these wonderful, amazing runs happen. And then unfortunately, sometimes it goes the other way. You have not so great runs because of a whole slew of um, reasons. But, you know, I think as long as you are putting in what your best, what you were capable of, that's all you can do. And then it's that, you know, giving yourself the grace and, you know, being kind to yourself. Yeah, I love that. Giving yourself the grace. Um, so as I mentioned, you ran the New York City Marathon. Um, I, I remember that was a big goal for you to run it. I think I started following you right when you did that Instagram takeover yeah. around November. Um, yeah. So how was it? Um, how was the New York experience for you? Well, I had kind of a different story. So I was picked as... Um, an ambassador for the New York City Marathon during the summer. When I was um, training for the race, I was um, trying to push myself to get healthier. I'd been fighting, you know, shingles and mono. I'd been in and out of doctor's offices and specialist office for two years, and um, no one could really figure out what was wrong. And so um, I just decided, okay, I, I can't stop living my life. I got to try and find a way to fight through this. Yeah. And try and find a way to get some energy. So I um, had signed up for New York and was training to run the marathon and, you know, did have a goal time in mind and was doing all my runs and everything towards that. And then in August, I finally found a doctor um, who diagnosed me with a whole slew of medical issues. And um, the first thing was um, I did have severe adrenal fatigue at the time. And so I was not allowed to work out at all. So when you're training for a big goal marathon, um, I had waited to go to New York for three years in the lottery. It was my third try. 
So I was so excited and didn't hear you can't run at all. Um, it's pretty devastating, but, um, you know, I kind of set my mind right at that moment that, you know, even if I can't run, I'm still going to go to New York mm-hmm. and we will just see what capacity it's in. If I'm a, a cheerleader holding up signs or if I'm able to walk it or what I can do. So I took all of August off and only walked. Um, I couldn't do any exercise. And then um, September I was allowed to walk like two days a week. Um, and same for part of October. So I actually wasn't allowed to start running until probably about two to three weeks before the marathon. Oh, wow. Um, and that was only run walking. So I was, you know, doing like the 30 second run, 30 second walk and moved up to like a minute, one minute walk. So, um, I ran a bit of the race, but I pretty much walked most of the marathon, which is a totally different experience. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I do not know if I would recommend walking a marathon. To one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, definitely takes forever. Um, and I was in a lot of pain when I did it. I ended up having some severe tendonitis issues, which made it, um, a lot more unpleasant than it probably would have been, which I will admit was probably me being stubborn and trying to walk it instead of trying to be spectator but I just had waited so many years to get in and didn't know if I would ever make it back that I thought oh I can walk this I'll be fine and I had done some 14 15 mile walks before and um it just did not work out the way I had hoped but um it was really a exercise in perseverance and in learning to continue on because there were many times in it when I you know kind of thought about quitting and wanted to give up. And, um, I just kept going because it wasn't about the time. I didn't care how long it took me. Um, you know, it was just about finishing. Yeah. And it's such an incredible race to, to participate in, to be a part of, and no matter what capacity. Um, I completely agree. Like it's, it's, I think you'll be back. And I think when you're super healthy, you'll be able to, you know, run it the way uh-huh. other people have, but I think that you have such a special experience of it that it's, it, it's interesting and it, and it's, it's great. Um, one of my friends who's on the podcast, Michelle, she has a really, um, tough injury in her foot and she ended up, uh, walking mo- most of the New York city half, um, just about a month ago. And she was saying, you know, so many people come into town to run it and it's this, very similar to the marathon. It's like, I always saw it as like, it's little brother. Um, it's, it takes over just Manhattan, but it's the, there's Times Square is taken over. There's people everywhere. There's so much hype. There's so much like high, high energy. And, um, and it's amazing. And she was telling me, she's like, I was, I was doing, I was walking through Times Square and the weirdest part was that there were not as many spectators, but the race was still going on, but it was kind of empty. And it's just, she was explaining how seeing these races from a different point of view is also super interesting and super humbling and really makes you think about why you're doing this in the first place. Because, you know, when you wake up that morning and you know you're injured, you know what, you know, it's not going to be a PR 
something gets you out the door to start at that starting line and keep going. And I think that that shows a lot of strength. Yeah, and she's definitely right. Because I heard friends talk about like how crowded and how packed the course was with spectators. And, um, you know, by the time I made it through, that was not so much the case. Because then you realize, like, some of those poor people, um, because of the way that New York staggers starts, would have been standing outside for, you know, six, seven hours to see the elites run by and then to see the time that, you know, my group went by. And that is a lot of time spectating. So you don't really blame them for not standing out for seven or eight hours for the very, the difference in time between when the elites run by and then the corrals start later and later and later and then when the very last people run by. Um, and at the very end, they um, they open the course um, where cars and things are on the roads. Um, and that was kind of a, a strange experience um, to have, uh, you know, vans and things going by you right as I was about to run into Central Park. Um, so I was right near Central Park, about to run into Central Park and in the end, but to hear them say like, you know, move it onto the sidewalks, we're opening the roads, the course is now open, cars are on the roads, like move it onto the sidewalks. Um, And to think about, you know, all the people who were still behind me and that basically the race was like done. They would still finish, but, and they'd still get their medals, but you know, the course was pretty much open now. It was kind of like the you just had to run on kind of your own towards the finish line. Um, and just to think about all those people who were, you know, still sticking it out and still trying. Um, and that was just a really different experience, um, from what I'd had at, you know, different races. So it was almost kind of eye opening to see all that. Definitely. So, yeah, it's, as much as running is such a, you know, monotonous and, one-dimensional sport it is also there's so many stories you know like there's 56,000 people that run the New York City Marathon and each story is so different and and so humbling and exciting and interesting in so many different ways so that's it's a great it's a great way to get a take on other people's experiences I like that a lot yeah Um, so what are your running and non-running goals this year so my biggest goal um, right now is just to get healthy. Um, I started working with a new doctor and um, a, a doing some different treatments. They um, discovered that my body stopped producing um, testosterone, and um, which is something that even we as women really need to have energy and to be able to, you know, function. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because of that. Um, my body began to produce lots and lots of extra estrogen. So I have like zero testosterone and over twice as much estrogen when I, that I need, which um, as my doctor describes means you're kind of like in a constant PMS. So I'm just always gaining weight, always um, hungry, always bloated, always really tired, um, which is not fun. So I am seeing um, doctors and doing treatments for that and really working on getting healthy and easing myself back in, back into working out. That's great. So, you know, and being kind to myself as I do it. So I used to work out, you know, really six days a week, you know, no excuses and have my one day off. And so right now I'm like up to four days a week. So I work out four days a week and have three days off. And that's about what my body can handle right now with 
the, you know, level that I'm at. Um, and my goal is to, you know, build myself up and to the point where I'm ready to run the Chicago marathon this fall. Oh, that's so, so um, I'll be coming back for Chicago. I don't have any, you know, really big, huge goals for it or anything yet. I'm just going to kind of wait and see how my body does as I get healthy and see if I'm able to be up to running, you know, five or six days a week or if I'm still at four or, you know, what it is and just kind of go from there, you know, trying to be kind to my body and um, give it grace. But um, after walking New York, my goal is just to run it. I'm not really worried about how fast or anything yet. We'll just see how I do. Yeah, that's so great. Um, I Running Chicago is a goal of mine. Um, I think it, it, it falls like a little bit before New York. So during the summer, everyone's either training for New York or Chicago. And um, I love I love seeing all the all the photos of Chicago. It looks like such a fun course too. So I wish you lots of luck on that. I think that's you know it's far far, far enough away where you can you'll hopefully get totally healthy and get in a really good groove, and it'll be just a really sweet experience. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. It'll be, and it's great motivation as I'm you know getting healthy and coming back. Um, you know, I still am kind of tired and um, have some tough days. So having it as a goal is good motivation to, you know, get out the door and do something, even if it's just a walk on those days where, you know, my body's kind of exhausted and tired. Yeah. And it's, I like, um, I, I like, you know, now we're, we're still in April and I like that it's a goal that's further into the year where it's not, because I'm signed up for the New York Marathon this year. So I'm kind of putting it into my own lens where I'm hopefully going to run it and I'm hopefully going to feel really wet, really good when I run it, but it's far enough away where it doesn't keep me up at night. I'm not worried about starting training hard or, you know, what if I can't run till this day or that day? It's still far enough into the future where it's kind of a pie in the sky goal. Um, but you know, like I have every intention of reaching it but I'm not going to be stressing out about it for a while because it's still, it's still, we still have time. So, um, so I, I can totally relate to having a goal that's further into the distance, but we're going to get there. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's just nice to have, you know, something to look forward to and something to drive you. Um, but then it's like you said, it's also great that it's not like next month or something. So yeah. there's not that stress. You can kind of take time and let your body see what it can do and then, you know, start to build from there. I love that. Yeah. Um, who or what has had the biggest impact on you as a runner? Um, I actually, um, I, don't know, I started running years ago, uh, because I was, you know, getting older and, you know, starting to gain weight and realizing I couldn't eat what I always ate. So I thought that I would just go outside and, you know, run for a bit and, um, it would be this, you know, great weight loss thing. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't make it to the mailbox. (laughs) It was so, so depressing to realize that. And so I think that's kind of what started me off as a runner and has kind of impacted me has been, the health was the health aspect. Um, you know, when I realized I couldn't make it to the mailbox, um, 
that that wasn't healthy and that I need to do something about it. And then ever since then, it's kind of been a way to stay healthy and to stay active and then really just to push myself to do things that I never thought I could do. So for me, it's about seeing these challenges and then trying to meet you know, the challenge. I was the kid who failed the mile run in PE class in elementary school mm-hmm. because you had to run a mile in like less than 12 minutes to pass and I couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, it became about challenging myself and seeing what I was able to do. Um, and so then to be able to go from the kid who couldn't run, you know, a mile past the mile run in PE class to being able to run, you know, a whole marathon was just, you know, a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once you run that first marathon, I think some of us think, well, I wonder mm-hmm. if I did it again, what would happen? Yeah, and so then it just became about kind of trying to see if I was able to better myself and to challenge myself. And so it's just about, um, really that kind of competition with myself, if I can improve and if I can get better. So I think it's kind of the, the old me almost is like the big inspiration, knowing that, you know, I, there was that point in my life where I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. Or, you know, even just 10 years ago where I wasn't running or doing anything at all. And if you would have asked me to run a mile, I would have begged my way out of it. Mm-hmm tried to do anything I could to be done with it. So it's just um, kind of the desire to be different than that, to push forward and see what I'm really capable of. How many marathons have you done? I have done, um, I don't know if I should say five, five or six. I have signed up for six marathons. I, um, actually had my first ever out of all my races did not finish at a marathon. Oh, wow. Um, after New York. Um, so I have finished five and then I, um, my only did not finish ever was at my sixth marathon. Can I ask so. you what happened? Yes, it did. It was, um, um, my training, you know, I had signed up for it at the same time I signed up for New York mm-hmm. and I, um, you know, I had to walk most of New York and so I was hoping to be better and ready for this. But when I came off of New York, I had a lot of tendonitis and had to take, um, a long time off and was able to kind of get back into it some and ran the first, I think I stopped at like mile, I don't know if it's 16 or 18, but at an aid station at mile 16 or 18, I stopped and talked to them because I'd started walking a mile before because I was getting kind of dizzy and um, wobbly and things were not feeling right. And that has never happened to me in a race before. Yeah. Um, and they suggested that with as dizzy as I was and everything that I should not, that would be smarter to um, get a ride to the finish line than to try to make it six more miles to finish. And one great thing about getting older as a runner is I am becoming less and less stubborn. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I probably would never have agreed to not finish a race. I probably would have tried to walk the last, you know, six, seven miles, whatever I had left. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, just to finish instead of quitting. Um, but the older I get, the more it's about just 
being smart and listening to my body and realizing that there will be another chance. Um, so I let them drive me to the finish and, you know, um, was a good move because I definitely was still very wobbly and dizzy for the, you know, rest of the day. There was, um, something going on for sure. So I have run finished five. Nice. That's, that's a great, strong number and there'll be so many more after that and you're so right like everyone is so stubborn I, I I haven't had a DNF I've had plenty of DNSs which also were such a struggle like the morning of to be like you shouldn't run this race you shouldn't run this race you shouldn't run this race and I remember like there was the rock and roll Brooklyn and I wanted to run it so bad it was my it was um the anniversary of me running half marathons and it was such a great course and the weather was great, but I was coming off of an injury and it was before New York. So I just, I set my alarm knowing I really shouldn't run this race because a doctor told me I should take it easy. I knew I should take it easy. And I was staring at my bib and I was like, Oh, should I do it? And then I was just like, Nope. And I just, like, turned off my phone, went back to bed, and woke up and was just like, I'm just going to avoid Instagram today because all my friends ran it. But, um, yes, I think that if had that happened, like, six months earlier, I would have been like, no, I have to go run it. I have to go get that medal. I have, like, I have to do it. And, you know, I'm not going to let myself down. And the definition of letting yourself down is should be letting yourself do something you know you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I, I feel like the old, the more experience you get as a runner, you realize, um, you realize those things you, you, and the more you run and, you know, stay active and listen to your body, the more you understand it when it's trying to say something. <clears throat> so, you know, I definitely, definitely know what you're talking about when you're feeling dizzy and wobbly, like that's not a feeling you should have when you're running and, yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, it's your health first and races happen every weekend. So in, in some corner of the state you're in, there's going to be a 5k or a 10k or a half marathon or a marathon. And if not every weekend, every year for sure. So, um, can't forget about that. Yeah. Better um, to be smart and play it safe. For sure. Um, want to get into some of the fun questions I had. What is a wish list place for you to go on a run? Um, I love to run on the West Coast. Um, I live over here on the East Coast. I'm in um, Charleston, South Carolina, so I'm kind of right near the beach. And I had the opportunity a few years ago um, to go out West and to run kind of... uh, Along the Pacific Coast, the Big Sur area, oh, um, and then into so like beautiful. Monterey, California, and it was amazing. There's, you know, just a trail all the way along the ocean, which was beautiful, and then these big, huge, rocky cliffs and things. And when it is like 110 here during the summer, it's only like 70 there. Oh, so it's like. Perfect. Every summer I dream of um, getting to go back out there and do that again. You know, it would be the most beautiful, amazing place for a long run. Oh, that's for sure. Um, What is the last show you binge-watched? 
Um, so I actually just got over shingles. Um, part of my being sick is my illness and everything is that I get sick really easily. So I had shingles for three weeks. And so I was, you know, would go to work and come home and go straight to bed and, um, lay in bed and watch great British bake off. Oh, nice. (laughs) Read, read an article, um, somewhere that said it's like the number one Netflix show that you should be watching that you're not. And I started it and I just got addicted. It's a reality TV show where these people come in, they have normal jobs and they just come in on weekends to bake. And there's like no big money prize. There's nothing. All that they get if they win is the recognition of being the winner. Um, And it's just a very cool competition. They're not at all um, catty or crazy like some of the American reality shows because I can't get into all that. Oh, yeah. Um, But just seeing the ridiculous, amazing, huge things that they baked and created was kind of um, fun, and you find yourself cheering for people to win and such, and I got sucked in. Oh, I love it. I should definitely check it out. uh, In three weeks, I watched all three seasons that are available on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, if you could go on a run with anyone in the world, who would it be? Um, I don't think it would be anyone, you know, famous or anything. I, being a run coach, have clients spread, you know, all over the United States and Canada. Uh-huh. And so it would probably be, you know, one of my clients that I've been working with for, you know, a year or two that I haven't actually got to see in person yet where we've, you know, talked on the phone and we've, you know, texted back and forth constantly, but we're on, you know, completely different sides of the country. Yep. Um, so I haven't got to meet them yet. It would probably be, you know, getting to actually go see one of those girls and hang out with them. That's awesome. I was lucky enough last weekend in Savannah to get to, um, a couple of my girls and I all did the same race from different states and stuff. Um, you know, some came in from Florida and some came in from, you know, Georgia and Alabama and different places. And then I came down from South Carolina. So it was wonderful to get to see them all, but there are some that are, you know, just so spread apart that I, I talk to constantly and I feel like we, you know, moved past the coaching relationship to the point where we're, you know, friends too. And I would just love to be able to do that. That's a great, that, yeah, that's a great choice for who you'd want to go run with. I, I love that. Definitely like the, the virtual coach world is so virtual, like from yeah. hearing from friends and they're always texting their coach and it's, it's just so wonderful to be able to, you know, put a, put a face to a name and, you know, like do the runs with that person. I think that's often a luxury, um, people don't get awarded when it's, when you're in that virtual coaching life. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. I love that answer. Um, so that was it for me. So I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your Friday afternoon and your spring break. Thank you. And so lovely chatting with you. Um, I love your Instagram account and I'm rooting for you to get 150,000% better and hit the ground running. Thanks so much. You too. We're all cheering you on on your way back to New York again. Yes, yes. And I'll cheer you on in Chicago. (laughs) All right. Have a great one. You too. Bye.